but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hi everyone, welcome back to The Body Serve. I'm James. I'm Jonathan. This is our US Open preview. We've been away for, what, like three days? It's it's entirely <laughs> it's, too much it's for me at this non-stop. point. Non-stop. Are you tired of us yet? I would absolutely understand it if you were. I'm tired <laughs> of us at this point. Yeah, they probably like clicked on the episode and they were like, you know what, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you are listening to this episode, we do have a gift for you. We'll get to that we at do? the end of the episode. Yeah, we're okay. gifting our listeners something. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. US Open, man, this is a tournament that I fully expect to be on that ish, to be bringing the bullshit. <laughs> We've already seen the bullshit yeah. starting. It's been so messy in the first week already. Well. It all started with ESPN rolling out that Serena versus the umpire quote-unquote documentary. Mm -hmm. See, I thought that we would have had to have watched it for professional reasons, Mm -hmm. something that we'd have to talk about on the show, but it turns out that might not be the case. Well, I certainly am not. I'm not making that sacrifice for this podcast. Mm -hmm. I I already knew that, so it's fine. A little bit of a humble brag here. I, I just don't know how much they could have added that we didn't already add last year. <laughs> you know, like I've already well, lived through it and we tried to be fair and balanced and we've buried that mm-hmm. episode well, never to be listened to again. So why would I, you know, outsource this to ESPN and have to relive it? Right. Had they spoken to more of the people actually involved in the situation, we may have felt differently. Serena obviously didn't interview Naomi wasn't, con- well, she, I'm sure she was approached, but she did not comment. Like, how are you um, going to have... Patrick, of course, yeah. saw a camera and was like, yeah, I'll be there. But how are you going to have a documentary about this thing and neither woman who is involved is interviewed? Right. That's wild. And and really no one from the Osaka camp at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is really about Serena and this whole thing. Well, to be honest, I'm shocked Sasha didn't talk (laughs) he didn't (laughs) pipe up you know like hey this is what happened and also my book is available now in french you can go Uh, buy it i know (laughs) portuguese for the ramos stands uh (laughs) that's just us being messy Mm -hmm. you know we've we've talked to sasha two years in a row now in cincinnati and he's delightful he is he's a nice guy in person um sasha was out here on twitter today saying hey guys what do you love about serena's game i'm like what are you talking like like what at this are point you, it's literally none of your business but like don't you have a job mm-hmm. you have another job with another player literally at this very moment what do you love about kiki mladenovic and her game mm-hmm. yeah that is that is the question so we we did not watch the serena versus the umpire thing which i think might actually blow over well i well, expected to started yet, because but. there's other shit that's coming Right. Be prepared, unless both Serena and Naomi go out very early, to have this thing snowball throughout the two weeks. Sure. And Lord, if these two women make it deep into the <laughs> into the tournament, into championship weekend, and there's a, there's a prospect of a rematch, this is going to be enormous. Yeah. Uh, Christop- so, Christopher Clary is doing his job keeping, uh, keeping this incident fresh. And in your minds, tweeting about it constantly, this thing happened last year, and nothing in tennis has changed since. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, what was meant to have changed? Serena's issue in the moment was enforcement, like in the inequity in enforcement from her perspective. Mm. One of and, the things that uh, we hear people say is that, well, are we going to allow coaching? That was never Serena's bag. No, no, no. It might be Patrick's and some other coaches and some other players, but Serena's not interested in that. I don't think there's a lot of interest organization-wide in tennis for it. Well, the WTA would like it. Would they, though? Yeah. I mean, they have it on their tour. Well, they have on-court coaching, but would this be like unlimited mid-match coaching? Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. It was tangential. Yeah, yeah. 
let's just get to the draws. Mm-hmm. Forget all that other stuff that's going on this week. Do you want to start with the men? No, I want to start with the woman. Oh, okay. Our number one seed and defending champion, Naomi Osaka, comes in with a bit of a question mark. She had to retire against Sophia Kennan in her Cincinnati quarter quarterfinal, right? Quarterfinal. With this mysterious knee injury. She hasn't really expanded a whole lot about it. I think she's playing her cards close to the vest, probably protecting herself as you know, the first time she's had to defend a Grand Slam title. We really don't know what to expect from her. And if she's not at optimal health, her her quarter could be a very, very wide open. Of course, she could face Carlos Suarez Navarro or Coco Goff in the third round. Everyone is kind of slotting Coco into the third round. But we do have to remember that she is very, very young and has very little experience. So losing in the first round is totally normal. Would it be very, very normal? That's so funny. (laughs) Look, this section is prime for some Coco magic to happen again. And for... It could be. You know, we always see some young U.S. person have a moment at Flushing Meadows. Mm. We had Melanie Udan a few years ago. Well, many years ago at this point. And it could be Coco Gaff again. I don't know if we're ready to, to live that again mm-hmm. it'll it'll be that much bigger and wilder on home soil and i'm not sure that that's actually good for her development at this stage right. right but naomi i i really don't know what to say or to expect because it didn't look good when she came into press that day correct but she's been at all these lead-up events she hasn't been like wearing a wrap or anything so if we go by the seating it would be osaka benchic in the round of 16 i would be surprised if that happened to be honest, for many yeah, reasons. Yeah. You have Annette Contevate, of course, as the other seed in that little section. Marie Boskova, who had her breakout run to the semifinals in Toronto. There's Jessica Pagula, who won the title in Washington, D.C. Uh, so there are a lot of dangerous floaters here, aside from Coco Goff. The other part of that quarter, Sabalenka and Burtons are your two top seeds slotted to reach the round of 16. However, Miss Sabalenka, she has to play Victoria Azarenka in the first round. Mm-hmm. That is unfortunate for both women. Donna Vekic is there as well. She's had a good summer. She'd open up against qualifier Hogenkamp. Yulia Gerges is there. I, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the winner of Sabalenka Azarenka is a good bet to go against Kiki Burtons. Yeah, I agree. In the third section of that top half, Simona Halep is your number four seed. She opens against Nicole Gibbs. But then her round of 16 potential opponent is one of the women who will have the most eyes on her. Brad Gilbert has like 15 players he thinks he can win the U.S. Open, but Bianca's the only one he actually named. And she has the best forehand in the world, in the universe. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to hear that. She, He is definitely on the Bianca train. Yes. But the outlook looks pretty good for a Halep Andreescu round of 16. Barbara Streetseva is uh, in Halep's third round, her little section. Wozniacki faces Wang Yafan in the first round and might not make it through that, to be honest. So I think it is fairly soft for both players to get there. I'm sure there will still be quite a few three-set matches. Yes. Some dramaticing for Miss Andreescu. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part of the second quarter is led by Petra Kvitova, around whom there are also huge question marks about this forearm injury. The other big seed in that section is Sloane Stevens, who, well, we'll get to that a bit later, but Sloane is back with former coach Kamal Murray. She's coming off a very ugly loss to Svetlana Kuznetsova in Cincinnati, and look who she could face in the second round, mm-hmm. but Kuznetsova. Now, do we think the match will go exactly like it did in Cincinnati? Maybe not. Probably not. There are a lot of folks in that section. There, there's Stevens. There's Kuznetsova. There's Ostapenko. There's Allison Risk, who's been playing good ball. Muguruza is there. Elise Mertens. Yeah, in my mind, there's two blockbuster first rounds there. There's Risk Muguruza, which I believe could go either way. Risk is on such a, a high from her performance at Wimbledon. Muguruza is not on a high of any kind. But she is also... Sans Sumik. 
<laughs> yes. And Mertens Teichman. Teichman, who won the title in Palermo against Burton's. If you remember, you did your book report on her. Yes. I say it every time, but I'm really not in the business of making a prediction in this draw business. So we'll move on to the bottom half of the women's draw. And the big news there, the big, big news, the first real bullshit big news <laughs> of the U.S. Open was Serena Williams drawing Maria Sharapova in the first round. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was a joke when I first saw it. I thought it was fake news. But here we are. It can happen. It could have happened last year when Serena was not seated. Last year? Was it last year or the year before Halep was the one who was sharapped in the first yeah, round? Yeah, that was 2017, I feel like. Yes, 2017, uh, yeah. the first year that she came back. So two years ago, Halep was the one who had the unfortunate meeting yes. with Sharapova in the first round. This is the first time that the two will have played since 2016. The match where Sharapova was feverishly popping pills before uh, her encounter with Serena. <laughs> yes, we, and that's according to her. That, yeah. is, that is no shade at all. Because, you know, she was taking two per match or whatever. And then when she played Serena, she popped. All of a sudden, she needed 25. <laughs> <laughs> 19, the number of losses she's incurred against Serena. Um, 19 and 2. Yeah. It was, it was going good there for a few months. Back in 2004. It, it was looking real bad. Real bad for us in 2004 and early 05. But Serena flipped it at that Australian Open and the rest is history. Well, briefly in 05. The last loss came at the end of 2004. Yeah. 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 Well, you said into 2005. Okay. So for like the first three weeks of 2005. Okay. We were in dire straits. We who? We singular? We plural? We Serena fans. Okay, I wasn't that bothered about it at the time. Oh, I know. <laughs> it I wasn't know. on my radar. I was just there pre-popcorn meme era, popping my popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Sharapova, Serena, I haven't decided if I'm even going to sit down and watch it. You are I absolutely don't going part- to watch it. I don't want to participate in this hype. It is uh, not interesting to me. I would like it to come and go. And you can tell me what happens. No, you have a podcast that mm-hmm. people listen to. You have a responsibility to I can, be at the very least tweeting about the match. No, I can watch it on repeat. Mm, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> okay, let's start at the top of this bottom half here. Svitolina is the number five seat. She opens against Whitney Osigwe, who got a wild card, a young American. Right below there, Venus Williams starts against Zhang Sai Sai. Mm-hmm. who, earlier this year, won the title in San Jose. Not the best opener for Venus, but it could be a lot worse. She could have faced the number one seed. Venus is not seeded here. Whoever wins that will face the winner of Svitolina and Osegue. And Okay, so what you're saying is, what people are interested in here is what's going on with Venus. Venus starts against Sai Sai, potentially second round against Svitolina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the third round matchup should... Venus or Svitolina get through there, it would be likely against Yastremska, who we've talked about having seen her in Cincinnati has all the power in the world. The opponent in the fourth round, the round of 16 matchup, it would be, optimistically speaking, Venus or Svitolina <laughs> versus Madison Keys or Sonia Kennan. Mm-hmm. Kennan opens against Colleen Vandeweghe, Mm-hmm. who is struggling a bit in her return, in singles at least, but still is going to be a tough out for a fellow American at the U.S. Open. Cannon and Keys could meet in the third round, which is very early compared to where they met in Cincinnati, which was a semifinal, mm-hmm. a competitive semifinal. And Cannon has beaten just about everyone out here in yeah. the past few months. So and this, if, is, uh, this is very up in the air. If it is Cannon Svitolina... In the fourth round, Kennan beat her in back-to-back weeks (laughs) right? in Toronto and Cincinnati. Obviously, there is so much hype following Madison Keys right now because of her win in Cincinnati and because of the way she did it. I I don't know that that's true. Where is this hype? As much as hype as Madison Keys generates. Where have you seen this hype? On tennis Twitter. People are writing about it. Oh, I must have a different timeline. (laughs) Well, a lot of the... I feel like this is an in-theory thing that you're saying. I feel like folks are a little bit educated Mm. about Madison at this point in terms of let's just let her be and see how it plays out. Okay. I think a lot of the reporting on it is like 
should we hype Madison? It's more, <laughs> it's more uh, like conjecture rather than this is a real title contender. But if you go by form alone, you have to consider her a contender. Agreed. So that <laughs> top section of the bottom half, the round of 16 matchup is a number five seed versus a number 10 seed, Svidalina Keys. Below that, the matchup would be Kanta versus Pliskova, which I am uh, uncertain for both. Mm-hmm. That was the Rome final, right? Which Pliskova won. Kanta, as you know, had a great year on clay and lost early in Cincinnati and then had kind of a tirade against the umpire there. She opens against Kazatkina, who hasn't had a great year, but we saw her pretty much every day on the outer courts in Cincinnati practicing after yes. she lost. Yes. She's putting in the hard yards. She's sharing a coach now with Svetlana Kuznetsova. She had borrowed her coach while Svetlana was out. Right. And so now they're on a timeshare kind of situation. Svetlana <laughs> even said that, you know, listen, I get it, whatever. Maybe I can help you out too in this arrangement. Right, if you right. ever need something, if you need some advice, I'm happy to work with you as well to kind of ease and make this this coaching this coaching timeshare situation workable for both right. players. Sveta was working with Guillermo Cañas for a little while and they split up recently and now she's back as she says in in Spanish tennis. She's mm-hmm. happy to be back in the Spanish school. She said she's happy to work with some of Carlos Martinez's uh like assistant coaches as well as long as she's kind of on the team. But who else is there? There's Zhang Shuai, Carolyn Garcia, who I forgot like it's easy to forget that Garcia won a title not two months ago on grass because her her past season and a half have been so up and down. Mm-hmm. The the person the two people that I want to point out there that could be Pliskova's biggest problem are actually playing each other in the first round: mm. Sasnovich and Jennifer Brady. Yes, I don't think Jennifer Brady is somebody to scoff at mm-hmm. under these circumstances playing on home soil. And with that game. Yes. The fourth quarter is where we get Serena at the top of it, facing Sharapova, obviously. There's Katie McNally. There's your friend Karolina Mokova. Whoever wins between Serena and Maria could face Shea Suwei in the third round, which I think could be a very interesting matchup, regardless of who it is. The other side is, uh, you know, Savastova is the seed. She's the number 12. She opens against Jeannie Bouchard. Sviantek, there's Petra Martic, the semifinalist of Roland Garros. But Serena's, you know, I don't want to make too many predictions, but her draw isn't horrible. It's really reasonable for a number eight seed, I think. But there's still folks who could give her trouble. Yes. Mohova is very talented. She is a wild card playing anybody. Yeah, I think Shea could actually give her a lot of trouble for a set and a half. I don't think you can bank on Sharapova lasting seven matches to win a Grand Slam anymore. But if you were to have her put all her eggs into one match basket, right, could still give Serena problems in the first round. Mm-hmm. Considering we still don't know the effects of that back situation from Toronto. Right, right. If it were just a spasm situation and she's able to continue training and the trajectory of her play at least stays at an equilibrium, Mm -hmm. then she should be okay. Yeah. Because Maria hasn't been able to string together matches without serious dips and calamitous events within that match, such as a whole bunch of double faults, wild shots to the back Mm -hmm. of the court. You know, it's she's struggled with her form a lot, mostly because she hasn't been able to get the matches in. And here again, it'll be tough for her. She would have to hope that Serena's serve is really, really off. Angelique Kerber, to me, is a big wild card. I have no idea what kind of form she's in. She opens against Kiki Mladenovic, who we mentioned. Well, she's been she's been in very bad form. She has, but can she turn it on for this tournament, being a former champion? It's such a tough situation for her to be in again. She won the two slams in 2016, mm-hmm. and then folks were like, wow, how could she have won two slams? Because of some <laughs> right. of her ordinary results. And then she comes back and she beats Serena in the Wimbledon final. And has yeah. that great tournament last year. And again, we're in the same situation. Mm-hmm. She's constantly having to fight the critics of her game. 
yeah. to get the respect that she deserves. I thought this season would be a lot different for her because it seemed that the pressure was off. You know, she wasn't the number one player anymore. She she has nothing to prove at this point. She has three Grand Slam titles. I'm not saying that she should be out here winning a slam a year. Right. I'm saying that the first round losses are shocking yes. for somebody of her caliber. Mm-hmm. She opens against Mladenovic. Sakari is down there as well, opening against Camila Georgi, who has been resurgent. Yeah. Making the final in DC and again now in the Bronx. Yeah, that's a horrible first round for Sakari, who had a great match against Savalenka in Cincinnati, whose play has been on the upswing. Barty is the number two seed and the headliner in that quarter. The round of 16 matchup would be against Kerber. So Barty yeah. Kerber, and then above that, Savastava Serena, allegedly. <laughs> right. I have a lot of question marks here, a lot of slash, you know, Savastava slash Sviantec. Mm-hmm. Barty, as usual, is here under the radar. The number two seed, like for a number two seed, it's amazing how few people are talking about her. And of course, she's more comfortable on the natural surfaces, on clay and grass. But nobody's really t- saying anything about her as a, as a real title contender, are they? What are some of the interesting first round matchups? We talked about Serena and Maria, but there's also Sai Sai Venus. There was Sonia Kennan, Coco Vandeweghe. Yeah, Nicolescu Yastremska. Total contrast in styles. Kanta Kazatkina. Bouchard Sevastova. I still think Jeannie Bouchard is worth paying attention to. Oh, yeah? All these years later, huh? Well, I did say she was going to have a resurgent 2019. It started well, <laughs> and it's plummeted. She's There's still time. She's lost something like 72 first-round matches in a row. Is, is that so? <laughs> Potapova, she opens against Coco Goff, Vika against Sabalenka, Christy Ahn against Kuznetsova, and Alison Risk against Muguruza. Moving on to the men's, I think there are actually a lot more exciting first round matches on the men's side, which I, I rarely say that, but I just found the early parts of the draw a lot more interesting. Well, I think there are a lot more upset alerts on the men's side than on the women's side, if that's what you mean by interesting. Sure. Like sure. legit worrisome matches for some of the bigger names. Mm-hmm. Djokovic's draw is typical for a number one seed. He's on the same side of the draw as Roger Federer. Nadal's on the other side, on the bottom half, obviously, as the two seed. Nadal, I guess, lucked out by not having Federer on his side of the draw. Djokovic's quarterfinal opponent would be the person who beat him in Cincinnati, Daniil Medvedev. Why do you never say Medvedev? Medve- because I have heard it pronounced, and I can't say it right. Okay. But you make me think that I'm saying it wrong. No, I've, I've just given up because I can't really get close. Try. It's... <laughs> no. Try, just do no, it. No, I don't remember where... Because he pronounces it's, the E differently on one of the syllables, and I can't remember which one. It's like a Y. Yes, but do you know which syllable it's on? Medvedev. Okay, okay. All right. Djokovic opens against Carballas Baena from Spain before possibly playing Sam Querrey in the second round. <laughs> that could be an interesting Sam, night match. Sam Querrey just will not go away. He's just pestering him. He hasn't been a problem since he beat him in 2016 Wimbledon, but... This could be a good little section here for Stan Wawrinka. First of all, he doesn't have to play Grigor Dimitrov, which might actually be a, a bad thing for him, the way he's been feasting right. on Grigor right. lately. Yeah, he's playing qualifier Yannick Sinner. But he possibly could get to the fourth round to play Novak. And Big Match Stan could bring the big guns out for that one. I know. You know how he loves breaking Novak's heart in really important matches. I say he has a chance because the big, the bigger seed than Stan in that section is Kevin Anderson. And this is the first tournament that he's playing in a while after layoff with injury. Right. And so to expect him to get to the fourth round, that might be a bit of a big ask. But Horkoc, who is the finalist in Winston-Salem tomorrow against Benoit Paire, could, Stan be, could, get him could in the be second Stan's round. second round. Yes. Uh, Kecimanovic, who had a good tournament in Cincinnati, is also hanging around there. Below that, Fonini opens against Riley Opelka. Mm-hmm. That could be trouble for Fabio. Yeah, so there's one of those first round matches to watch, obviously. Basilashvili opens against Fuchovic. Taylor Fritz, Feliciano Lopez, first round. 
uh, Daniel Medvedev, he has a, a fairly good go of it mm-hmm. before he would have to play likely either Taylor Fritz or Yoshihito Nishioka in the third round. Right. Taylor Fritz made the final in Atlanta, losing to Demon Hour. He's had a good year. He has. He Under has. the radar, but he's had a good year. Nishioka made his first Masters 1000 quarterfinal before having to withdraw with diarrhea. And vomiting. According, according to him. Medvedev uh, opens against Gunaswaran, who was my book report subject, yes. if you'll remember. So that, that round of 16 matchup there, on paper, would be Funini versus Medvedev. Below that, Roger Federer headlines a section that is pretty sweet. Yes. Sumit Nagal from India qualified just today and will face Roger Federer in the main draw. You know how Roger is beloved in India. And to play an Indian guy, the ratings for that <laughs> yes. will be insane. Yes. Cole Schreiber Pui. That's an interesting first round to me. Cole Schreiber is so old and is just always out here. No, that's so... I see people <laughs> saying that all the time, but that's so rude. How old is he? 34, 35? Right. But no, it was. I was making my way to a compliment. Is um, that he is just perennially one of the most professional guys out here. Always kind of ready for a surprising or at least highly competent performance. Which is to say... Not very much. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you use a lot of words there, too. <laughs> I, right. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's a first round to watch. Luca Pui, under the tutelage of Amelie Moresmo, he would be Federer's third round opponent. And below that, there's a little section led by Guido Pella, who opens against Pablo Carreño Busta, and then Davi Goffin. So on paper, it would be Federer Goffin in the round of 16. Right. Goffin coming off the runner-up spot in Cincinnati, I think is a good bet to get to that round of 16 and lose to Roger Federer. Roger said this is the best he's felt coming into the U.S. Open in a long time, which is clearly a lie. <laughs> I mean, he's, th- he's 38. <laughs> but I-, I appreciate Roger's commitment to optimism. Mm. Born at Church with a potential fourth round against Nishikori. But before that, there's your boo, your new boo, mm-hmm. Christian Garin, who will open against Chris Eubanks, who was given a wild card into this tournament. Dimitrov is there. Potential it, second round match. <laughs> isn't that sad? That's what it's come to with yeah. Grigor, that he is there. Dimitrov is a potential second round match for Church. Should Church get by... Evgeny Donskoy. And Jack Sock, man. Who knows? He could make the final. Wow. Do you think Garin can uh, get through past Nishikori? No. No, not on hard courts, I don't think. But I'll watch it. Okay. Bottom half of the men's draw. Damn, I thought we were done. Didn't realize we had a whole nother... A whole other half. Whole nother half. To me, the this third quarter is the most interesting quarter of both draws. Mm. The women's and men's. Because. Kyrgios plays because. Tsitsipas in the third round, potentially. No, but before that, we have Andre Rublev facing Tsitsipas in the first round, yes. which is a wickedly bad draw for both players. Rublev just took out Federer in Cincinnati. Yes. Tsitsipas lost early in Cincinnati, said he was feeling very, very low energy, and just looked to be in kind of a bad mood. So I'm curious to see what he's going to look like in New York. I think he'll probably turn it on and get through Rublev, but that is not an easy draw at all. And it doesn't get easier. As you said, there's Kyrgios possibly in the third round, depending, of course, what mood Kyrgios is in and if there's added attention because of the absolute shitstorm that happened in Cincinnati. Bautista, good. if Tsitsipas gets to the fourth round, is who his opponent would be, allegedly. Right, but then... Matteo Berrettini opens against Gasquet. Berrettini is the 24 seed, but Gasquet is very, very close to seeding territory and just made the semifinal in Cincinnati mm-hmm. last week. So he's in form. Roberto Batista Ogut is the other seed in that little section there. But that round of 16, no idea. I have, a, you know, five different players that might be there. The big question mark for me is who is going to make it to the fourth round from this little section that has Mofis, Chekinato, Shapovalov, 
and Felix Auger Aliassime. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Dennis, unfortunately for Felix, they get a rematch of their first round match last year. And if you recall, Felix had to retire because of some heart issues. Yeah. Which of... he got fixed in the offseason. Yeah. And we were worried so much for him after that match last year. And he's only gone on to become a top 20 player since. Right. The fortunes of both players have, have switched. Mm-hmm. Last year, as you pointed out on Twitter, it was Felix who was the unseated player. Whereas Dennis was in the, the, high, the low 20s. And now, whereas Dennis was in the 20s. And now it's the other way around. Dennis is unseated and Felix is number, what, 18? Yeah. Dennis is close. Like, he's in, I think he's number 35 or something right now. So he's close to seeding. But he was the 28th seed last year. And Felix had never played a Grand Slam match before. He lost his first Grand Slam match to his friend, Dennis, having to retire with tachycardia, the irregular heartbeat thing. And since then, he's built up such a such a great record this year he's the number 18 seed and his friend dennis is kind of between felix and bianca dennis has maybe had the benefit of not as much spotlight Mm -hmm. this year possibly and his game is kind of going in the right direction at the moment he made the semifinals in uh, winston-salem this week things are like starting to come together for him whereas felix is starting to get a little bit frustrated and has some losses to people he probably shouldn't be losing to which is crazy considering where he was last year barely any matches on the atp main draw level you know but now he's a top 20 player and we expect him to win these matches mm. at age 19. the winner of the person who makes it out to that round of 16 beat mofis beat shapovalov beat felix they would almost certainly i would say play dominic team well is dominic team still dealing with this illness I don't this know. like flu he has been affected before by kind of viral illnesses that linger it's been a while now at this point it so has. i'm just gonna go by what should be expected i'm not gonna speculate on that mm-hmm. but kyle edmund is the other safe bet if team is not in optimal health i don't think there's any safe bet that can be placed on <laughs> kyle edmund kyle. at this point okay fair enough zverev is somebody who could have a lot of trouble in the first round playing radu albat Yes, who is the darling of the tennis subreddit. Oh, really? Yes, he is. He's like their mascot. Hmm. He's had a good year so far. Francis Tiafo, he opens against Ivo Karlovich. The, I can't even say the ageless one, the one who's aging very much, but still on tour. <laughs> uh-huh. Benoit Pair is continuing this great run over the past few months, reaching the final in North Carolina, which they'll play tomorrow. Opens against Canadian Braden Schnoor. Yet another Canadian player who will probably lose in the first round. Diego Schwartzman. Nah, it's tough for me with Diego lately because he'll have good results and then a string of not so good results. He's formidable on hard courts. We know that. He's mm-hmm. not just a clay court player. He may even be better on hard courts yeah. at this point. Yeah. He opens against Robin Haza and he would be in that little section with Karen Hachanov. Also in that section, Joe Songa opens against Tennis Sangren and I am here to say that if Joe Sanga does not do the business, then he will be officially banned. Jesus. No, he will be Jesus banned. Jesus fix it. From the show. But but you you will be banned from mentioning him on the show <laughs> for at least five episodes. Five what? Five episodes. If he cannot do that, then that's the punishment. That's so unfair. Sangren beat Andy Murray last week. Yes. Or this week. In straight in sets, Winston-Salem. In Winston-Salem. Andy will probably be playing challengers over the next several weeks, according to him. And if that prevents another Sangren loss, I am all for it. Hachanov is, I think, the one most likely to get through to the quarterfinals from that section. He's uh, been playing mature, grown man tennis, <laughs> which will serve him well mm. in New York. Did you know that Zverev is now with uh, Roger Federer's agency and is going to be working directly with Tony Godzik. I did not know that. was announced today. Oh, good for him. I wonder if they will send in a surf specialist to help him. Wow. Okay, wow. His last match, he had 20 double faults. We know. I'm just saying 20, 2-0. Those are (laughs) Iranian numbers. (laughs) That sounds like from Iran. (laughs) Iranian. (laughs) Iranian numbers. Irani-esque. Irani-esque numbers. Mm. Those are... 
Ostapenkin numbers. Oh, that's... Uh, come on. Just pick on people who are no longer active players. <laughs> and then Rafa Nadal. Yeah. Of note for him, his run of 16 opponent would be on paper John Isner. Isner, who last year made the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open and had only done so once before in 2011, the quarters being the furthest he'd made it. In order to do that again this year, he would have to likely beat Nadal in the fourth round. Yes, and Jan-Leonard Struff, who beat Tsitsipas in Cincinnati, is playing very well this year. He would stand in the way of Isner. Marin Cilic is Isner's possible third-round opponent. Rafa Nadal opens against John Millman, who beat Roger Federer here last year. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That seems like ages ago. Yes. And uh, potentially a third-round match against Fernando Verdasco, somebody who is always about that bullshit life. <laughs> always willing well, to try it. Well, yes, but also somebody who has suffered many, many losses against Rafa yes. over his career. That's enough for the draws. That is, yeah, that's quite enough. That's more than enough. And you know what? My performance in the last draw competition, like the tennis Twitter racket bracket, was so abysmal that I'm making zero predictions. None. On this medium. But we should still do the the racket bracket. I'm going to use an alias this time because I was embarrassed to use my real name. Nobody was even checking for you. (laughs) Clearly because they'd have to go to, like, page three to see me. Oh, my God. We're calling this episode Brace Yourselves. But the reason why we're calling it that is because the lead-up to this tournament has already shown signs. We already expected it with the whole Serena Naomi rehashing. Mm. But there's always there's also been some stuff that's happened so far. And we'll start with the big news that, well, it started with Sloane Stevens announcing that... Her and Sven Grunfeld would no longer be working together. And then shortly thereafter, after some cute little photo shoots in New York City, after some promos, after some pop-ups here and there, Miss Stevens announces that she has returned to a partnership with none other than Kamau Murray. Especially prescient because we featured audio from Kamau on the last episode talking about how Everything with Sloan and her family was totally cool. He and Sloan are like family. There is no beef whatsoever. And you remarked at the time, I don't think this made it into the episode, that you felt that a reunion between the two was not out of the question and indeed possibly imminent. Mm, well, it could have been just projections on my part, but you got a little bit of a sense that Kamau was maybe a little bit frustrated with his current situation at the time yeah with monica the fact that he was so quick didn't hesitate to say oh yeah we're good me and sloan are good we're family (laughs) right it was just a lack of communication and so here we are the messy part about it is that monica puig is just kind of left in the lurch okay i at least have only seen this reported in one publication el nuevo dia from puerto rico so i don't want to say that this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth But what this article claims is that Puig found out about Kamau reuniting with Sloan from Sloan's tweet that she didn't know. All she knew was that Kamau told her last week in Cincinnati that he would not be traveling with her to the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. That apparently came as quite a shock. It is unclear if she realized that that was literally the end of their partnership and that he was going to coach Sloan again. She has since said... I have put it behind me, and I'm fully focused on preparing my best for the U.S. Open. Part of that preparing for the U.S. Open was liking fake news on Twitter. (laughs) From a prominent, the preeminent (laughs) tennis Twitter fake news account. Yes. He or she who shall not be named. Occasionally, this person does tweet things that are, like, bordering on true. In the vicinity of true. Yes, yes. And what she liked was a tweet referring to the sacrifices that Monica made to work with Murray, which meant relocating to Chicago and and sort of joining the the Murray school of tennis and and doing or trying to do exactly what he was telling her to do in practices and stuff like that. She liked that tweet. I don't even know how she found it. But this story in El Nuevo Dia seemed to confirm a lot of these rumors that have been floating around. So again, we don't know exactly what happened between Monica, Kamau, and Sloan. 
what I think is clear is that like this shouldn't become a thing between Sloane and Monica. Like it's not really about them. Kamau is all about how we're all grown-ups here. We all need to communicate, own our mistakes, be honest. So that that's between them. Whatever happened. I don't know if that's true. If I'm Monica, what? I would be absolutely within my rights to feel pressed about it and pissed about it and hold some kind of grudge and feel some kind of way. We don't know exactly what happened. We you don't know? No, we you don't. don't know. But so she... if she wants to carry that grudge, if she wants to practice all the things that Kamau preaches against, <laughs> then so be it. Yes. Because arguably he didn't do that himself based on what we've been seeing. Right. So. It just like the swiftness with which this coaching change happened was wild. That said, Sloan is back in a good place. These two worked great together. They worked together when she won the US Open. They have a great fondness for each other, personally and professionally. They click. So yeah. <laughs> I can't see this being anything but a positive for her as to whether it will manifest into a run in at the US Open. That may be too soon for that to happen. Yeah. But going forward, this has to be a net positive for Sloan. This next segment, we were asked to do a dramatic reading. We will refrain. It's gonna be it's gonna be a see what ha happened was mm -hmm. instead of a dramatic reading. And the main reason for that is you may notice on tennis Twitter there are those who troll professionally, and we don't want to feed that machine. Right. It's called clout chasing, mm. and it will only add to their notoriety. Yeah, you, which is the goal. You troll, 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 and then you can put something in your byline. Right. You, and so you've received the attention that you ordered. Mm -hmm. So we won't we won't be doing a dramatic reading. But well, we haven't actually said what we were talking about yet. I think folks know. I okay. mean, unless you are not of the Twitter sphere. Right. Which in that case, we apologize. Well, here's the background of what happened. Sasha Vickery was in round two of qualifying yesterday at the US Open, was facing Bulgarian Isabella Shinikova late in the third set. They're in a tie break at 6-4 in the tie break. Her opponent, Shinikova, was cramping and she was granted a medical timeout for the cramping. Mm -hmm. We know from the Grand Slam rulebook that players are not allowed to receive uh, MTOs for muscle cramping. And they are allowed to receive treatment, but only on changeovers or the end of sets. Unless, unless the, the doctor determines that the cramping is a symptom of heat illness that is like one of several symptoms which is a totally different thing sasha went on twitter right after losing the match after dumping those four match points it was so swift she was on twitter in a flash yeah and what sasha said was six four in the third set tie break today at the u.s open and my opponent is visibly cramping and takes a medical timeout which is against the rules no surprise, no one will do absolutely anything about it and pretend nothing happened. So, strictly speaking, Sasha was right. A medical timeout should not have been granted. But she just, she went off and, and continued. Because what happened after that is that a lot of people on tennis Twitter decided to wade in and say, well, you are really unprofessional, or you should have won the match a long time ago. You did this, you did that. And don't get me wrong, Sasha was like out of pocket during a lot of this match, right? She smashed her racket so many times. She was like screaming, cursing, hitting the backs up. Remember we were just talking about that story in Toronto where mm -hmm. I said she smashed a ball into the backstop. She did that several times. And so mm -hmm. that was pointed out to her and she said, listen, girl, do your research because I got two code violations. Arguably there could have been more. <laughs> there, were, <laughs> there were things that happened or that she did, that I have, I don't know if I've ever seen on a tennis court, oh, or at Stop. least, or at least the combination of things. Uh. There was a little clip that was put together to clearly designed to derail her, and it was the trial judge and jury. Yes, against Sasha Vickery yes. in this situation. And when you watch that splice together, it's it's. It's wild. Sure, but this is a day later, and she still has time. She mm -hmm. is not tired. She responded to the person who posted that video and said, 
Yeah, I got two code violations. So what? Say something. Yeah, and okay, she got two code violations. She's talking still about this specific medical timeout, which can't really be argued with. Right, which was her original tweet. That's why she was angry. Mm-hmm. She felt that the rules. She felt that the rules had not been enforced. Shockingly, right. multiple things can be true. Amazing. So you get a bunch of people from tennis Twitter who decide to insert themselves at Sasha directly, and of course, the one that will live in infamy is somebody who. Well, said, to my knowledge. There were some that directly added her. There were others that screenshotted her and then <laughs> called the popo on her ass. Yes. And said, come get your girl, come get her prize money. Come, at WTA. Come take her to prison. At US Open. At Federal Bureau of Investigations. <laughs> at the General State Penitentiary. Yes. But don't worry. You don't have to at Sasha because she will find you. She, yeah. She will find you. And she found. There's only one person I know of who spells Sasha that way. Mm -hmm. So she will search it. And she will tell you that your dog is ugly. Uh, But the one, I mean, the one that kicked it, kicked it off, of course, was this person said you withdrew against Mertens and Hobart and then Mertens became a top 20 player and you became nothing. Sasha, of course, (laughs) she went there because here's the thing. What are you thinking coming for a West Indian woman and expecting to get out safe and sound? Mm-hmm. Like, you think she's just going to sit there and take it? Without it's a, not going to happen. Without a few emotional scrapes and bruises. Right. Like, in my experience, mm-hmm. you're lucky that she's not telling you about your dead grandma. Right? It's it's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> so Sasha said, do you remember the last time you had a man? I bet it's been a while with that sponge face. <laughs> And so Spongeface has become, I mean, one of one of the moments of the year on tennis Twitter. So soon. Everybody's a sponge now. So soon after we got, if it's not one scam, it's another. Don't make me choose between the two because they're both so delicious. Dima, that's for you. <laughs> How dare you ask us to choose between the two? I mean, I just like I'm not embarrassed that I was getting my life my absolute life i was walking down the street reading her clapbacks and tears are falling like (laughs) that's because you are at your core a messy bitch right because this would be me right i would be pressed after losing someone would probably tell me put away your goddamn phone because you're going to regret this tomorrow and And i'd be like shut up that somebody would be me girl shut up and you are just so jealous that you could never come up with sponge face i know it's so good. You don't even have to cuss at somebody. Right. Just call them a sponge face. What it really has annoyed me about the whole thing is that now people are like, you're bullying me. I never talked about your looks. It's like, girl, shut up. You came to this person and decided to lecture her about her opinion and how she behaved during the match. And now you're upset that she called you sponge face? Like, get over it. These people on Twitter feel entitled to your mentions and your space and your time. And uh, should you make that move, be prepared to have several moves made back in your direction. So she insulted your looks. Like, you did kind of start it, though. Mm -hmm. Is it something that you could press charges over? Call the police on? No. (laughs) So shut the fuck up. Just don't... Sit there, eat your food, Mm. and squeeze your sponge face dry. Oh, oh, girl. I'm just saying, let's not overuse the word bullying here. Agreed. So I think that brings us to our gift. Mm -hmm. This is the last bit of business for the episode, right? Yes. You tweeted earlier in the week that, and I had to kind of tell you to slow your roll. You were like, now that we have Spotify, we are going to start streaming All I Want for Christmas is You so that Miss Mariah can finally Mm -hmm. get that number one. We're going to go back to the States and stream it there. We're going to like get a VPN and stream it from here. And I said, slow your roll because it's like August. Like it doesn't really count right now. That is so surprising coming from a lamb. It's, you have to, it, it's realistic. You have to, you have to rev up. It's know? realistic. It's a, we have a lot of things going yes. on. But the point is, somebody told me, hey, you can actually create a playlist and share it. And you can get your listeners to stream it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, that is genius. It is, except it's something that people do all the time. Well, yes. We, we're just dumb. <laughs> we're just stupid and old right, right. and didn't think of it. We are new to technology that people have had for five or six years. Sure, fair <laughs> enough. 
So we created a playlist that was joint, was a joint venture between the two of us. And it's R&B because R&B is our life Mm -hmm. as far as music is concerned. And it spans the gamut of decades. Right. It uh well R and B is what we can agree on mm-hmm. really as far as music. I'm not about to like create a playlist with the fucking Beatles on it with you. So wow, it, was it not... always comes back to that. Always, but does. you wouldn't put like Rufus Wainwright or Fiona Apple or any of that on your playlist. I like and... I like Criminal. Okay. I like some of uh, Rufus's stuff. That one song that you put on your mixtape mm-hmm. for me yes. back in the day. My phone's on vibrate uh-huh. for you. But we, I guess we are poised to share the Body Serve playlist when this episode comes out. Uh-huh. Is that the plan? Yes, we will be tweeting mm-hmm. it. We will be linking to it in the episode on Podbean. Okay. It's not a firm list. It's a long list right now. It's at 101 songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it needs a little curation. I like my playlist to have kind of a mood. Not mm. necessarily an era or a decade or whatever, but just kind of a a theme or a feeling sure Mm. all those things this is a start yeah it's seven hours of listenable music you can shuffle through you'll get a feel of the stuff that we like because every single song on the playlist save for a handful each is a song that we agree on yes like songs that we've listened to and enjoyed over the past decade and taught each other even Mm -hmm. just as a clue um, Jonathan's tastes are definitely skewing toward like the babyface sound oh my god. of the nineties. Oh my god! No, really, like Tony Braxton, the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, uh-huh. all that. Those mm-hmm. those are definitely Jonathan's eighties R and B. Well, ninety, yeah. No, you eighties R and B was a complete blind spot for you before you met me. It was because eighties R and B didn't cross over like nineties R and B did on white radio. Well, also like we were babies at the time. So I've taught him Anita Baker. Mm -hmm. What are some of the songs that you disagree with Mm. being on this? What were the free passes that you gave me to put on this playlist? Let me get this list out. I know you said that you wanted like more curation, more of a vibe. Maybe that's something that we can do later on, create sub lists. But for now, it's called the Body Serve Essential R&B. And it spans music from the 60s right up until last week Mm -hmm. when uh, Miss What's-Her-Face... my oh, this we have to devote Normani. a whole a whole segment to Normani. We don't. Uh, well, maybe at a, a later date. I'm not prepared. To have do you that. watched the whole video yet? I haven't watched. It. Right. I listened to half the song. Like today. this girl is gonna be a superstar. Okay. I like. I feel weird saying I want to remove anyone from the list because these are like bare icons. Mm-hmm. Every, like okay. almost yes, everybody but on do it here. Because right? you will do it. Um, I would take off. Oh God, this is. I'm gonna embarrass myself. I would take off some Erica Badu. Oh, wow. That is embarrassing. <laughs> that is embarrassing. And, you know, I've, I've just never really been a huge Karen White fan, so I would probably take her off, too. Listen, I need y'all to at Elliot JMR 2Ls 2Ts and tell him how misguided he is about Karen White Who are you? and how yeah. important she is. Okay, but like... And underrated she is. Superwoman was an anthem. Even me as a nine-year-old was bop, bop into that <laughs> and okay. i remember we had like a little class talent thing and one girl got up and sang that song early in the morning she put breakfast on his table and she made sure that his coffee had its sugar and cream okay but like who are you talking to who's gonna know this people will know this all right all right uh, you asked for my opinion i understand right? i'm just saying you're wrong that's all. Okay. And you know, I've never really been a huge Tony Braxton fan, so I would remove Let It that Flow. Is, oh my God. Let It Flow is one of my <laughs> absolute favorite slow jams. Yeah, yeah, I know. However, I was super excited to see Almost Doesn't Count by Brandy, which is one of my all-time favorite songs ever. Why would that surprise you? You know it's one of my faves. No, I said I was happy. Oh, okay. I was like, and um, Stephanie Mills, never been like a huge fan. Lord have his mercy. You can tell which are Jonathan's because they're very like... Um, on the popish side. Well, no, almost. they're also like anti-music from the 80s. Oh my god. Well, I mean, they're like, you would think you were much older than you are. If you didn't <laughs> like Stephanie Mills before, but then you watched Stephanie Mills' song being sung mm-hmm. on Pose. Yes. While Candy is at her own funeral. 
as she's lip syncing from her casket to the ballroom Mm -hmm. to Stephanie Mills. If that didn't move you or put that song into proper context, uh, you're just beyond hope. Okay, fine. We don't have to agree on everything. No, and for me, it's a song that's new, newer R&B, for it to be on this list for me has to really be exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so I would not have The weekend on here because I do not think anything that that's The weekend the one, does is exceptional. No, that's like the one weekend song I really like, the one with Daft Punk. I feel it coming. Although it's not really even. And we can also have a discussion about the, the dogma of genre. A lot of these songs are not strictly R&B. That is true. Right? A lot of them are soul. Some of them are pop, hip hop. I also am not a fan of Rain by SWV. <gasps> I know you oh love it. Oh my God, but I love like, it. Okay, so you have one early 90s song that's your jam, and I'm supposed to love it. I now, like a, You know I like a lot of SWV, but you yeah. had already put a few on there. Weak is where it's at. Yeah, and of course, the human nature. Mm-hmm. There was a song that I put on here that you did not know before, and you actually like it. What? Kenny Latimore. I did not know. For you. And I quite liked it. That is a lot of folks' wedding song, in case you didn't know. Oh, yeah? Okay. And you know I don't like So Gone by Monica. But I like Monica. Wow. I like Monica. I just don't wow. like that song. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't think I knew that about I you. I think I don't like the sample. That Silly of me. Wasted so much time. <laughs> okay. So now you can see what I've added. Yes. And uh, I mean, a lot of it, you asked me to add newer things because you yeah. don't really keep up with newer R&B. Yeah. And you like a lot of these Beyonce songs that wouldn't be my picks okay i would go for other i guess more obvious stuff because i'm not in as into her catalog as you are right so mine are more album cuts the demo of sorry which is only available on spotify is really cool Mm. it's just a different look at the song it's very different we have two songs called motivation one by miss kelly Rowland and one by miss normani both classics we have or soon to be we have two versions of a song for you one by the inimitable Donny Hathaway, mm-hmm. and one by the woman who did imitate and <laughs> duplicated and uh, added the live version, added yeah. several minutes to the song. <laughs> Ms. Whitney Houston with her live rendition at her concert, and I believe '92, somewhere between '91 and '93, it was a tribute to heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it features one of the longest, sustained, clear, just captivating notes you'll ever hear mm-hmm. yeah don't disagree there's new mariah old mariah we didn't i mean you'd expect to have a lot of mariah in this playlist but there's really only like five or six songs yeah which I mean, when it's like 101 songs that's a lot of restraint sure frankly yeah but you don't want to kill it just with one artist mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of janet jackson and for good reason she has a lot of jams Ugh. One of, one of her songs that it probably isn't strictly R&B, but is from that era, is Again, which mm-hmm. I listened to today and was just enraptured. Yep. Someone to Love, John B. Loves it. All Cried Out, Allure. There are some songs that I wanted to put on here, but we couldn't find. Mm-hmm. For example, Lately by Divine, which was a late 90s R&B jam. Love it. Not available on Spotify. And also Escape. I love Escape. And understanding is one of my jams. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get it. Oh, did you see Candy Burris's daughter is asking for money for her birthday from mm. fans? No. Candy Burris, who is worth like $35 million. Why is she doing she's this? She's putting up her Venmo on Candy's Instagram saying, Happy birthday, Riley. Please give her money here. Like, so Candy's asking for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Candy's asking yeah, and for she money. Says she, Riley, of course she wants money for her birthday. She's a teenage girl. Like, girl. Give her the money. Are you serious? And you know there are people who are going to send money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, with this venture, this playlist, (laughs) for those of you who are interested, great. If you're not, we totally get it. You don't have to buy into everything body serve related. Yes. And if you aren't interested, you probably should have turned this off 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And if you don't like (laughs) R&B, you know, I guess that's your choice. It's not necessarily a good choice, but it's a choice. You can skip it. But for the folks who are interested, I want to know what are the songs that you love on the list? What are songs that maybe you'd forgotten about? What are songs that you're, you know, looking through or listening through shuffling and you're like, oh, my God, I'd forgotten about this song or maybe never heard of this song before. And we 
opened your ears to something new. And what are the ones you think are a huge omission? I mean, there are going to be omissions. Yeah, this There's, isn't a comprehensive it list. It literally could be a, a list of a thousand songs. Mm. But also, what are the songs that you're like, wow, that is trash. <laughs> that is trash behavior. <laughs> I cannot believe you listen to that filth. Uh, it's okay, I'll just tell them it's yours. <laughs> On that note, we hope you are ready for the US Open. We are not. We'll be back in a week or a little over a week for mm. the mid-tournament wrap. My name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at tennis underscore John. And I'm James. I'm at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. Uh, we're at the Body Serve on Instagram, Twitter, I don't know, some other places. We're on Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify. iTunes, you know, all that. Yes. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be tweeting mostly from the Body Serve account this week. And, well, I will be tweeting mostly from the Body Serve. We'll be tweeting from all three of our accounts. Yes. It's just that the body server account will be active. Yes. So pay so attention look out, to that. You know, somebody may be crowned Sponge Princess this week. Mm-hmm. You never know. Sponge Dog. Well, there could be a we sponge already know dog. who the Sponge Dog is. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not one sponge, it's another. Sponge Dog Poop Pants. Yep. What is that? SpongeBob oh, SquarePants. Oh Come God. on, man. Oh, my Lord. Sponge Dog Poop Pants. Yeah, you better turn it off right now. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you very much.